Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in front of 22,970 Cleveland Indians fans. It's the Indians 7, the Seattle Mariners nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And can you tell I actually got some sleep last night? I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. I'm feeling good. Uh, It felt good to finally get some sleep and actually sleep in and not have the alarm go off at 5 a.m. What a week. Thanks for sticking with me through all those late night podcasts. And uh, we're back and I got details and stories and we're going to be talking all-star game possibilities and we're going to get into the storylines from yesterday, of course, for sure. But before I do that, I just want to give a shout out because we got another five-star review on the podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. From Cleveland Fan 21 took him a second to write a little summary, said, They said, keep up the good work, great pod, summarizes the game, and digs deep into advanced stats. Always look forward to the podcast dropping in the morning, especially after a win. Thank you, Cleveland Fan 21, and uh, yeah, it's definitely, it was one heck of a win last night. So there is a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. So help the show grow, drop a review on on Apple Podcasts. It helps out. Leave a five-star review. I would really appreciate it if you took a second today, took a second this weekend, and did that if you enjoyed the podcast. And uh, you know what? It's been working because we actually popped up on the Apple podcast charts for, uh, for baseball podcasts in the U.S. I told you we're on the charts in Germany, right? Our Germany super fans are keeping us on the charts in Germany. Uh, we popped up for a second on the charts. We were in like the 240s of all baseball podcasts, and there are a lot out there. Uh, we slipped back down under 250, but I know we're right there. I know it. We even beat out some other Indians podcasts on the charts for that week. So let's get us back on there. Let's drop a few more reviews. Come on. It's fun. Won't you want to see this little indie podcast grow? So speaking of the storylines from this game, let's get into it. And uh, my God. It feels like the first innings have been incredible for the last week, right? Those Orioles series, those St. Louis series, it didn't always go our way. Some of them did, right? The first game in St. Louis was pretty good. Second game in St. Louis, not so good. Well, I mean, you could have just watched the first inning yesterday and pretty much got the way this game was going to go. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back because the first inning was an outlier for Aaron Savali. So... The uh, the Mariners do threaten in the first inning. J.P. Crawford with a nice single to start things off after battling with Savali. He gets Mitch Hanniger to strike out. Then Kyle Seeger flies out. Then you think he's going to be rolling here, and he hits Ty France with a pitch. Ty France wears the big elbow pad and just leaned into an outside pitch. Pretty dirty move to get on base, but he got it. He earned it. He gets himself on base. Jake Fraley takes an outside pitch. It looked like maybe it was a, a cutter or a fastball that misses high and away. It's an area that uh, Savali would go to a lot in this game, pitching up and to the right from the pitcher's view. So from Savali's view, up and to the right with his fastball and with his cutter. And uh, it would prove effective later in the game. 
He would then get Shed Long Jr. I don't even know some of these names. I have not had time to dig into all these new names for the Seattle Mariners. Since the last time we played them, they had like five different starters out there or something like that. Like the last five hitters in their lineup, I think Manning Underwood said, didn't face the Indians the last time we were out there in Seattle. So there's a lot of new names for us to learn this weekend. Um, But Shedlong Jr., he grounds out to end the threat. So Savali is able to work out of the first inning after loading the bases. And how many times have we seen the young Indian starters implode in the first inning? Well, Savali shows a little bit of crafty veteranness, and uh, for a guy who's been here for like what two, three seasons, and uh, gets out of it. So the Indians turn in the bottom of the first. Cesar Hernandez doing the great, the great job as the leadoff hitter, drawing the leadoff walk, and then the hits started coming. Ahmed Rosario bloop single to center field, a diving attempt by Dylan Thomas out there, but he can't corral it. And Cesar Hernandez moves up. Jose Ramirez ropes one into left field. A line drive hit into left field. 91.4 mile power. Exit velocity, 610 expected batting average. The problem is he actually hit it too hard. Because uh, Cesar Hernandez, obviously you got to make sure a line drive goes through. And Cesar Hernandez has to hold at third base. And I'm thinking to myself, look, at this point I was in the car listening to it on the radio. And I'm thinking, yes, hit in the you know left field. We're going to score a run. And then he holds them. And I'm thinking... Oh man, like how? Wh- what kind of bad luck is going to befall the Indians now, right? Is some crazy thing going to happen where they load the bases with nobody out and they don't score any runs from it? Nope. Eddie Rosario delivers a single and everybody moves up a base. So actually, this was the one, Eddie Rosario was the one that dropped it in front of Jake Bowers. Uh, this is the most Jake Bowers has contributed to the Indians offense all season. I think a different outfielder absolutely catches this ball. It had an expected batting average of 800. That is being generous. Uh, I think a good right fielder comes in and catches this ball. So uh, yeah, but Eddie Rosario gets the single. Everybody moves up a base. Bobby Bradley hangs in. Now at this point, the, uh, the starting pitcher for Seattle, which I believe it was done, he is struggling. He is absolutely struggling. He can't find it with his curveball. Uh, I'm listening to Hamilton. He's calling things like, uh, you know, the pitch being in the opposite batter's box and things like that. Uh, Dunn only lasts three innings in this game. He throws 72 pitches, only 49 of them four strikes. So, dude was definitely struggling with his command at this point. And Bobby Bradley, I think he worked at 3-0, took a strike 3-0, and then just lays off a wicked outside uh Curveball, not even close, and he takes the walk and the RBI. Harold Ramirez would strike out to be the first out of the inning. After a mound meeting, I believe Dunn was finally able to find the strike zone a little bit, although Harold Ramirez did chase. I believe he chased a slider way outside for that strikeout. Josh Naylor then comes through with a single. Everybody moves up again, but... Eddie Rosario tries to score from home. It was a good single up the middle. 103.6 mile per hour exit velocity, 9.10 expected batting average. A beautiful single up the middle. And Dylan Thomas came up throwing. Eddie Rosario uh, Eddie Rosario has this thing where uh, he thinks he can score uh, on every play, and he thinks he can throw everybody out at home plate. And things just do not work out for the guy sometimes. He, you can't blame him from trying. 
but things just do not work out for him sometimes. And this was one of those situations. Uh, they actually looked like they were trying to cut the ball off at the pitcher's mound, and they couldn't grab it, so it gets through to the catcher. The throw goes all the way home. And I don't know if it was on purpose or on accident. Eddie Rosario tried his slide where he slides wide and just slaps the hand down on home plate. The only problem is the catcher's leg was there. Eddie Rosario was going to be safe. He absolutely would have beat the throw, except his hand could not get to home plate because the catcher's leg was down. And uh, he's tagged out for the out. It looks really awkward in real time. And then when you see the slow-mo replay, you realize what happens. Because then he tries to get his other arm up and over. And at that point, it's just way too long, and he gets tagged out. So... Uh, we lose a chance at a run there, but Naylor still does get an RBI, and then Austin Hedges strikes out to end that threat. Now, from this point forward, Aaron Savali absolutely went to work. He pitched the next seven innings perfect. The next seven innings were perfect with 10 strikeouts on those 21 outs he made to go from there. So he finishes the game with 22 straight retired batters, and it's just dominance, just absolutely dominant. Strikes out two in the third, strikes out another in the fourth, strikes out two more in the fifth, strikes out the side in the sixth, and that's the top of the order. That's their one, two, and three hitters he strikes out in the sixth inning. And then uh, ground out, ground out, fly out in the seventh, And uh, one more strikeout for good measure in that eighth inning. So, Savali is absolutely cooking. And how did he walk off the mound in that eighth inning? The same way he walked off the mound in that first inning. The same way he walked off the mound in that sixth inning. I know the new trend is for pitchers to get all jacked up, all fired up. It's the new thing with college pitchers, right? This kind of psycho pitcher mentality. Not Savali. He he really is Corey Kluber 2.0 sometimes. I, the, the pitching arsenal is different. The way they go about attacking hitters is different. But the attitude on the mound, the way they just make that last out and just march back to uh, to the dugout like they're uh, like they're a T800 you know Terminator model or something like that. They just they go out there, they do their job, they walk back. I'm sure he celebrates at his locker after the game with you know a plate of dinner and uh, has himself a good night and finally smiles once he gets into the dugout. But it is all business on the mound for Aaron Savali. And we're going to dig more into Aaron Savali. It's a great final line. Uh, eight innings pitched, one hit, no runs, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. And like I said, perfect after the first inning. So, uh, we're not done talking about the Indians' offense, though, because the Indians' offense would continue to roll. Bradley Zimmer uh, beats out an infield uh, single in the top of the second inning. It would get reviewed, but Bradley Zimmer absolutely turned on the gas when he realized it was a foot race between him and the pitcher Dunn, and he beats him by a clear step. Uh, Cesar Hernandez would fly out. Amin Rosario would single. Jose Ramirez would single into right field and bring in the next run. Then in the third inning, it is Bobby Bradley time. And he gets an inside fastball that creeps back over the middle of the plate. And uh, pitchers are going to learn really quick that uh, that is not a place you want to throw for Jose Ramirez. And it is not a place you want to throw for Bobby Bradley. 
108.9 mile per hour exit velocity, 391 into the seats right in front of the Indians' bullpen, 980 expected batting average, a beautiful Bobby Bradley home run to right center, and the crowd was pumped. The crowd was absolutely lit after this home run. And Bobby Bradley has already contributed more, it feels like. He would go on to get another RBI on a ground ball through the left side to beat the shift um, late in this game. It feels like he's already contributed more. He's got two home runs, six RBIs on the season. Doesn't it feel like he's already contributed more as our first baseman than both Chang and Bowers combined in um, you know two full almost you know two and a half months of the season, Bobby. It just makes you wonder what Bobby Bradley would have been like if he'd been up here the entire season if he had started the season at first base. I mean, Bradley Zimmer is working in the outfield, and we had to suffer through uh, Ben Gamble, you know, to start the season. So it really makes you wonder, like, if they had just committed to some of these younger players early and given them a chance, what? What would this offense look like? I know Bobby Bradley Zimmer has days where he's hot and cold, and so will Bobby Bradley. It's going to happen. I, but, yeah, I just wonder what these guys would have been doing if they had been up here since April. But that's how it goes in Cleveland, right? The weather warms up. The bats warm up. Uh, and it was a beautiful night downtown last night. So uh, the Indians' offense was absolutely rolling in this one. Um, so, yeah, so they... Uh, they add another in the second, they add another in third, and then in the sixth inning is when they would add more. They'd add, uh, Cesar Hernandez would fly out to start the inning. Ahmed Rosario would single. Ahmed Rosario had himself an offensive day. Ahmed Rosario was four for five with four singles, raised his batting average to 276 with a 744 OPS. When he started this day, when he started this day, and I could go back and check because, uh, Baseball Savant, or not Baseball Savant, Baseball Reference is notorious for not updating, you know, the very early. They're not very timely with updating their page. So going into this game, he had a batting average of 256. Going into this game, 256. Coming out of this game, 276. He raised his batting average 20 points. He had a 7.11 OPS going into the game, a 7.44 OPS coming out of the game. Raised his OPS 33 points. He raised his batting average 20 points in this game. And this is in June. You don't do that in June. Um, so, yeah, so uh, he's up to a 276 hitter. Ahmed Rosario in the second spot on the lineup. That is locked in. One, two, three in this Indians lineup is absolutely locked in. It is going to be. Cesar Hernandez, Ahmed Rosario, and Jose Ramirez going forward because that combination is absolutely working. So Jose Ramirez would walk. Eddie Rosario would fly out. Bobby Bradley comes out with two outs and runners on first and second. And uh, actually, I don't know if uh, Ahmed Rosario had tagged up on that fly out or not. But either way, they have the big shift on for Bobby Bradley. He only hits the ball... uh, you know, it was 89 mile power exit velocity. It was an expected batting average of 0.090 because there should have been a shortstop standing there. But because of the big shift, I mean, they had a guy basically playing third base and then three on the right side. 
and he fights off a low outside pitch and just dribbles it out the left field to score a run. And sometimes that's all it takes. Um, yeah, the distance on this one was four, four feet before it hit the ground. Uh, Harold Ramirez then comes up and gets a true single through the left. I shouldn't say a true single. They're all they're all true singles. Gets a hard hit single through the left side. 111.3 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, that had a 380 expected batting average. He singles through the left side and brings across the last run for the Indians. So, one heck of an offensive day for the Indians. Seven runs on 14 hits. Runners in scoring position, seven for 18 for the Indians. That's what I'm talking about. That's coming through Indians offense. So, I told you we'd talk more about Aaron Savali. Let's get into it because he was throwing all his pitches and they were all working for him last night. His cutter had a CSW of 44. A lot of called strikes. Nine called strikes on the cutter. His four-seam fastball had a 33% CSW. Again, nine called strikes on the four-seam fastball. Curveball had a 48% CSW. Almost half the time it was going for a strike. They were able to put six in play, and they swung a lot at this curveball. He got six whiffs on the curveball, six called strikes on the curveball. Yeah. 48%, 42% on the splitter, Uh, the split finger, which uh, I don't remember him throwing a ton. He threw it 12 times and got five whiffs on seven swings on the cutter. Didn't get any club strikes on it, but got five whiffs on seven swings. Uh, And then he threw the sinker eight times and the slider twice. So a total of 41% CSW on the day. He has to be among the CSW leaders for... uh, for Friday night, uh, absolutely dominating with some of these pitches, with the curve, with the cutter, and uh, looking at the location of these pitches. Going over to the illustrator here, and uh, the fastball, it's so hard to see because he throws so many pitches. It's a its a rainbow of colors on his uh, illustrator, but the fastball from the catcher's view are all up into the left, keeping it away, keeping it in on righties, away from lefties. All those fastballs are pounding up into the left. The cutters are coming all over. He was throwing the cutters all over, but I know he got a couple of strikeouts along the left edge of the plate with those cutters. The curveball, he was dropping all over, but he was keeping it in the zone. He was actually throwing. Savali attacks the strike zone, and it was working for him yesterday because... They had to make a choice between that curveball and that split finger, and it really messed them up. I believe when he strikes out the side in the sixth inning, it's a uh, it's a taken splitter, a taken splitter, and then a swung and missed curveball. He was really, really keeping them off balance yesterday between those two pitches because they're both breaking down, but how much? You know, how, how much are they dropping? Let's look at the different speeds on those pitches. And uh, the velocity on that curveball is 77 miles per hour. That's his average velocity on that curve. The splitter's coming in at 85.6. That's the average velocity there. So you're looking at, what, a nine, eight, nine uh, difference in speed between those two pitches. That's a huge difference. And you know the bottom's going to fall out on both. But what do you got to do? Do you got to swing quick to protect? Or do you got to sit back and wait for that slow curve, the slowest pitch that he throws? So, yeah, there are a lot of decisions you have to make 
on Aaron Savali pitches. Um, not to mention the, the cutter comes in at almost the same speed as that splitter, a little bit faster than the splitter. So then you got to decide, is this thing going straight? Is it going to cut or is it going to dip? A lot of decisions you have to make on Aaron Savali's pitches. And the thing I wanted to get into, MVP for the day is definitely going to Aaron Savali. When you are that dominant on opening day 2.0 with a, you know, a kind of full house. And uh, I understand. I don't blame people for not going. I'm, I'm not really there. I'm not mentally there ready to go to a huge sold out game. I will be. Uh, by July or August, I'll be, I'll be down there. I'll be down there. It just takes, I still have to wear my mask at work. So, you know, it takes a little bit of time to readjust. I understand if you were hesitant about going to the game yesterday, because I was a little hesitant too about that huge crowd rolling in. Um, but anyways, um, when you're the dominant for, for a big game, right? For a big game, how many times have the Indians, you know, sold out for a big series, right? The White Sox are coming to town. The division's on the line. It's a big weekend or Minnesota, right? When we were battling with Minnesota for the division the last few years. Okay, we got a three-game set with Minnesota at home. We sell out Friday night, and the Indians just get torched. How many times? I feel like we see it all the time. And Savali really, really dominated yesterday. It was one of the top pitching performances of the season for the Indians. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he definitely gets MVP for the day. As much as I love some of these offensive numbers, right? Uh, round of applause for the offense. Again, Ahmed Rosario going four for five with four singles. Jose Ramirez was three for three with two walks. He was on base all five times. Uh, his OPS is up at 9.07. Bobby Bradley with the two big hits, the three RBIs. So, yeah, so there was a lot of good things for the offense. Uh, Bradley Zimmer, two for four from that nine hole. That's not terrible. 250 with a 600 OPS, 601 OPS. Give a lot. There's a lot worse that you could see from the ninth hole in the lineup. It was a scary moment where uh, Austin Hedges goes down, uh, gets hit in the head. Uh, luckily in the helmet, luckily he wears one of those um, flaps that covers his cheekbone and covers his eye, you know, eye socket a little bit um, and his jawline. I, God, I can't imagine not wearing one of those if I were a major league baseball player. And uh, he does eventually leave the game and Rene Rivera comes in. I didn't hear anything yet if he was going into concussion protocols or anything like that, I imagine. That's why they brought him out, you know, for concussion reasons. So uh, we'll be we'll see if Lavarnaway gets called up. You know, he's our backup catcher right now in Triple A. He'd be the next catcher up. Uh, it's rough being down a catcher already. To be down two catchers would be pretty rough. But Lavarnaway is actually hitting down there in Triple A. He's got like seven home runs on the short season. So uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything yet this morning. So by the time you listen to this, you might know uh, some news on Austin Hedges. It's an important, you know, we're celebrating this game yesterday, but we got to talk about it. We got to mention it because Hedges has been a pretty solid for us. He's not spectacular on offense, but he has been solid and his personality uh, has been fantastic in the dugout. He gives great interviews, great insights. So if he is in the concussion protocol, he will be missed a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, so. Let's continue talking about Aaron Savali because I checked out ESPN had an article from June 8th. So 
four days ago about still too early 2021 MLB All-Star, their predicted rosters. And uh, skipping over the National League here, as interesting as that is, getting to the American League, they've got their starting lineup, Salvador Perez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Marcus Simeon at second base, Jose Ramirez at third base. They give the nod to him over Rafael Devers. Um, yeah, we got to get Jose uh, voted in as that starting third baseman because he's having a great season. Uh, Xander Bogarts a short. They put Trout in the outfield, and he was on, on pace. He's still one of the leaders in war for outfielders, even though he hasn't played since May 7th, 17th. So they, they said Trout will get voted in, but he's injured. He won't start. So they brought uh, Cedric Mullins in as his replacement. Aaron Judge and Mark Canahan, Canna from the A's, uh, which we do not know a lot about. We haven't seen the A's yet. Shohei Otani at DH, Garrett Cole as their starting pitcher. So that's their predicted starting lineup. The reserves, there's no other Indians reserves that they got in the in the dugout, but American League pitchers, they've got Shane Bieber as their next starting pitcher. Lance Lynn, Tyler Glass now, Kyle Gibson from the Rangers, Zach Greinke from the Astros, Hyunjin Ryu from the Blue Jays, John Means from the Orioles, Spencer Turnbull for the Tigers. That is their starters. They don't have another Indian starter. They don't have Aaron Savali listed in their projected uh, starting pitchers for the All-Star game. Now, it's a little bit tough to get a second starter in there because this is where they start filling in for teams like the Tigers that need a representative on the All-Star team. Um, the Rangers, too, with Kyle Gibson. So... Uh, yeah, so it's going to be hard for Savali to crack this because Bieber's obviously going to get the first look. And by the way, they don't have Karinchek or Klasse listed on here either. They got Liam Hendricks, Araldis Chapman, and Matt Barnes as the relievers. So yeah, so uh, that's, I mean, that's just one article. That's just one writer. But to show you kind of where they're looking. Now, this is before Savali starts. So I wonder if Savali's start yesterday maybe changes things a little bit. I decided to jump over to Fangraphs and take a look at the leaderboard for AL starting pitchers because uh, you know this is who his competition is. And the one thing Aaron Savali has going for him, it's old school, but he is leading the American League starters in wins. He's got nine wins now after yesterday's start. Cole Bieber, Avaldi, and Lance Lynn are all down at seven wins. And so, yeah, so uh, he is leading the American League starters. And really quick, can I take a look and see, is he leading all starters? He's tied with Urias from the Dodgers for nine wins. Flaherty, before he got hurt, was at eight. Kershaw is at eight wins. So, yeah, he's leading all of Major League Baseball in wins. Now, wins... There's a lot of things that go into a win for a starting pitcher, so it is obviously not looked at as this dominant stat anymore, but it is pretty cool that he is leading baseball in wins. He's also leading the American League in innings pitched, so he's been a workhorse for the Indians. Not only is he leading, but he's also got three more innings pitched than Granke and then Bieber, who are right behind him. Now, Bieber will start on Sunday, but technically, that's the start of the rotation, right? I think they've had, uh, yeah, they've both had 13 games started. So they're both, uh, you know, on the same turn 
through the rotation at this point, and Shane Bieber will start it over again on Sunday. Granke's actually had 14 starts, so he's already got into his 14th start, and Savali still has more innings pitched than him. Now, when you start looking at other stats, uh, Savali doesn't necessarily rank up there. Ks per nine, strikeouts per nine innings pitched. Shane Bieber is leading the American League starters at 12.92, with Glasnow and Garrett Cole on his heels. They all have over 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Um, you know, he's not a strikeout guy. Aaron Savali's not a strikeout guy. He's got 7.06 strikeouts per nine. Yesterday probably really helped. He comes in 25th in the American League in that category. Um, walks per nine, he's actually probably doing pretty decent here. Walks per nine inning, obviously an important thing to balance out the strikeouts. And for that, Aaron Savali comes in sixth in the American League at 1.94. Garrett Cole is the best at that. So there you go. So there are some stats where he is up there with the leaders in the American League. BAPIP, batting average balls in play, one of my favorite stats to say and look at. Savali is fifth in the American League at 233. So he is having a little bit of luck. John Means is the Best from the Orioles at one point or at point one nine two bat So yeah, so that's a combination of how good you are right now and how lucky you are right now. So yeah, that's a good one for him. Um, looking at the ERA and the FIP uh, fielding independent pitching, which is an important one, it's not too great for Aaron Savali. He has had a couple games where he's kind of gotten lit up. Lance Lynn is dominating the field when it comes to ERA. He's at 1.23. The next closest is Kyle Gibson from Texas at 2.13. Almost an entire run less for Lance Lynn. Um, Shane Bieber comes in sixth at this right now at 2.96. Aaron Savali comes in at... Ooh, he's not... You know, that can't be possible. Where is he at? Eighth. He comes in at eighth at 3.17. I skipped over my first time down. I apologize. Uh, fielding independent pitching, another important stat for these pitchers, right? The things they can control. Um, home runs, strikeouts, things like that. Garrett Cole is number one at 2.09. Remember, this is made to look like an ERA. Evaldi, Glass. Now, Bieber comes in fourth at 2.89. Aaron Savali, I know he is a little bit down on this one, 23rd at 4.25. Remember, not a big strikeout pitcher. FIP definitely leans towards the strikeout pitchers because that's something they can control. When it comes to total war, and this would, I guess, would be considered F4 because it's from fan graphs, Garrett Cole is leading American League pitchers, dominating American League pitchers at 3.1. Bieber is second at 2.3. So he's got a while to go to catch Garrett Cole there. Glasnow, Evaldi, and Lance Lynn make up the top five, all above two war. Aaron Savali comes in at 21st, so at 0.9. Now, you might be thinking, oh, does that mean Aaron Savali's value is that much lower than all these other starting pitchers? Well, not when you get into some of the other stats. And one of the ones I want to look at is win probability added. And uh, remember, this is a stat that means how much you're influencing the win probability line. So remember when we look at those win probability uh, graphs and you can see the, you know, the Indians definitely were dominating through the first four and then the other team comes back and now they have the win probability line in their favor and then the Indians score in the eighth and the line goes back in their favor. 
So this is a measure of how much you, as a person, are moving that line. Garrett Cole leads American League starting pitchers at 2.02 win probability added. Tyler Glass now, John Means, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson are your top five. Shane Bieber comes in at six at 1.54, and Aaron Savali is right behind them at 1.23. They are the top seven American League starting pitchers as far as how much they are influencing the probability of their team winning. Now, this stat is a, can be misleading sometimes because it's very much dependent on how many opportunities you get. But it's more misleading for a hitter than it is a pitcher. Because starting pitchers generally are getting the same amount of opportunities, right? Um, in the end, they'll probably all come in around... You know, they're all going to get a ton of innings, especially these top starters, right? Anywhere between 150, 170, and 200 innings probably for most of these guys. Uh, for hitters, it could be different. If you just are someone who doesn't come up with the bases loaded, you don't have as many opportunities to influence the probability of your team winning. So things like that. But it's pretty fair for starting pitchers to compare, and Savali and Bieber are 6 and 7. Now, if you want to dig into some other crazy stats here on Fangraphs, one we talked about last year, and I'm going to pull up here just for fun because Savali and Bieber actually flip positions in this one. And if you keep looking on Fangraphs, it's called RE24. This is the run expectancy based on the 24 different possible scenarios in a game, right? Like one out, runner on first, two outs, bases loaded. There's apparently 24 different combinations of situations that you could find yourself in and then what you do to influence in those different situations. So it's just another way of looking at win probability added, but someone decided you know, along the way that this was a cool way of looking at it. So Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, John Means, Kyle Gibson, Tyler Glass now once again are your top five. This time Aaron Savali is sixth and Shane Bieber is seventh in this one. So pretty similar to win probability added. The same top seven, uh, but Savali and Bieber do switch places on this one. Uh, Savali is at 13.5. Bieber is at 13.12. Garrett Cole is leading at 19.64. So yeah. Uh, the last thing I wanted to take a look at for Aaron Savali was the pitch value. So the pitch value is, oh boy, here we go. Uh, so it is the um, section in Fangraphs that attempts to answer the question, how well has a pitcher performed using a certain pitch? Okay, so how good is their pitch? Now there's two ways of looking at this. They have the linear weights which are just looking at the success of the pitch. And then they have it standardized to 100 pitches. So if that pitcher were to throw it 100 times, how effective would it be? And that's important for a situation like Aaron Savali's slider because he does not throw the slider a ton. Doesn't He threw it, what did he throw it yesterday? He threw the slider twice yesterday. So going over to the uh, the actual pitch value page, um, the guy who's dominating with his fastball in the American League right now would be Tyler Glasnow. He's got a 12.7 weighted value on his fastball, followed by Lance Lynn. No Indians pitcher, Indian starter is really dominating with their fastball. When it comes to the slider, it is 
Shane Bieber, 9.1. The next closest is Lance Lynn and Garrett Cole at 5.0 value, weighted value on that slider. So Shane Bieber has the best slider in the American League. When it comes to a cut fastball, guess who's the best? Aaron Savali dominating the field for the cut fastball. 12.9 weighted value on his cut fastball. Casey Mize is next at 8.3. And Savali's not doing bad with the curveball either. He's a third in the American League when it comes to his curveball. Tyler Glass now at 3.8, Jordan Montgomery at 3.2, and then Savali at 3.0. Uh, it's been a pretty good curveball. Uh, Shane Bieber has actually been struggling with his curveball. It's at a a, uh, a weighted value of negative uh, 1.2. So he's only 17th best in the American League with the curveball. So I was shocked. I was shocked at that. So yeah, so Savali, when it comes to the cut fastball and the curveball, Savali is doing pretty darn good with those two pitches. So again, we, we on this show, we ask, how is a pitcher doing it? That's how Aaron Savali is doing it. So from all those stats, all those numbers, do you think Aaron Savali deserves to be on the all-star team? I think he's knocking on the door. I think that uh, voters... And those, you know, whoever votes for the pitchers, whether it's the managers or something like that, because the fans don't get to vote for pitchers, unfortunately. I think Savali's got a real case here. And if he continues starts like this, he's got a real case to say, hey, man, there's a spot for me on this all-star team, right along with my teammate Shane Bieber. So we will see if both of them can break through and make it onto that all-star team, maybe join uh, Jose Ramirez, and uh, who knows? Who knows who else? Heck, Bobby Brad- <laughs> if Bobby Bradley had been here since the beginning of the season, maybe it could have been him. Uh, right now, I guess the, the other guy maybe would be, I mean, Ahmed Rosario is just tearing it up right now. That batting average just keeps climbing. It's incredible. All right, that's all my thoughts. It was a longer episode, but it has been a long time since I've gotten to sit down and do an episode with you. So thanks for listening. That's all my thoughts. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Cleveland Indians 7, the Seattle Mariners nothing. It's your classic weekend series, a night game on Friday, late afternoon on Saturday. We got a 4-10 start as Tristan McKenzie gets called back up to face Kikuchi for the Mariners, who's 3-3 with a 4.05 ERA. So let's see if McKenzie, if these things he's been working on continue to show success for McKenzie. It went okay in his last start. And then Shane Bieber will finish things up with a day game on Sunday. So... That's all my thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation about amongst the fans about baseball. Don't forget to go over to Apple and leave a five-star review. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.